Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roasted Games, the podcast. I don't think I've ever said that way no, <laughs> that way before. Sort of, sort, of, sort of weird. <laughs> that's like a movie title, like uh, Roasted Games, the, the podcast. podcast, coming this summer. I'm Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, it might be a shorter starting segment. Definitely for me, um, over uh, last game night, we did not play anything. We spent our time recording. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't play anything. Although I I have one game I played uh, a few days after that at a just a one on one kind of impromptu game night with a friend with Larry. Uh, All right, and that was uh, Carpe Diem, which uh, is a Stefan Feld game, and uh, was a fantastic game. I was I was actually a little nervous to even introduce this because it's. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll look it up on BGG because if it it's horrific. Uh, <laughs> it looks terrible. Uh, w- when people make fun of Eurogame boxes, this is the game they're making fun of. Yeah, like like Castles of Burgundy, commonly thought of as a a totally terrible, des- like graphic <laughs> design. Um, amazing game, horribly bland artwork. Yes, but but this this looks. It, uh, I don't know. It's it's bad. It's real bad. It makes uh, makes Castles of Burgundy look really really good and nice and playable, um, which it is. It's a playable game, but it is uh, it is not pretty. And this one is terrible. And um, surprisingly, uh, fortunately, I played it with Larry, and he doesn't really care as much about graphic design as I think a lot of people in this hobby do, which I think is good. Um, the game itself is actually fairly decently graphically designed. It's kind of dark and a little bland, but um, but it, it does what it's supposed to do. It looks like a typical Euro game. Um, and it is, it is really, really cool. Um, it starts off with this kind of, um, well, basically you're, you're selecting tiles and you're placing tiles in your city. Uh, already, this sounds like a bland Euro game. However, it's got some really, really cool things that go along with it. Um, the thing to me that made it worth it is the scoring cards. So there's this gigantic pack of scoring cards, A, B, C, and D. And for different player counts, you take a couple of cards from each batch and you put them on the scoring board. Now, uh, even at a four-player game, you're only using maybe a quarter or less of the total scoring cards available. Um, they're laid out, and they score based on placing tokens between two cards, and you have to score both of those cards. So realistically, as far as replayability goes, you will never, you could play this a hundred times, and you will never score the same two cards uh, the same way. It's just almost mathematically, Im- it's improbable. Let's go with that. Um, I don't want to say impossible because, you know, somebody out there is going to be like, I did it. I, <laughs> I did, did it twice. Every time I played. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's sort of weird. That's a, it's an anomaly. Um, but you you place, uh, so the, the two cards have to be 
literally right next to each other in order for this for it to repeat so every game's completely different there are games where certain things just won't score at all but you can you'll still get those things and you can sort of trade them and manipulate through the game to get other things that are scoring so your whole strategy really is based around these scoring cards and um that's really neat because uh, I don't love games where you jump into them and you're like, okay, my first eight moves are always the same. Dominion, m- probably my first eight yeah. to ten moves are always the same. Yeah, uh, it's never gonna change. Really, no matter what I'm I'm playing with, what expansion, what cards, it doesn't matter. You kind of just have this automatic go with some games you're like this is my strategy it's always my strategy i'm just always working on refining this one strategy uh carpe diem will make you do something different every time you can also it's very point salady like a typical euro especially a typical steffenfeld euro um so there are tons of options to score points and you can ignore like whole swaths of things and do the things you enjoy doing or the things that you think you could do the easiest given your position and and all that. Um, And you can still be extremely competitive. So you don't, it's not one of those point salad games where you have to sort of touch every single thing. Uh, There's very much room to define a strategy each game. Uh, Larry did end up beating me. He told me that he definitely wanted to make sure that I mentioned that on the podcast. <laughs> However, we were playing not entirely correctly. Got it about 95% right. Um, had, had we been playing correctly, I think it would have been a lot closer. I might have even won, but obviously he wouldn't have done the same thing he did. So, you know, uh, we're still going to call it for him. Totally cool. Larry, you win. Um, but it's uh, it, it it's really neat. I I enjoyed it a lot. I think you would like it a lot because it has yeah. so many really cool choices. Uh, you're never playing around or a turn where you're just like, eh, it doesn't really matter what I do here because everything you do matters. That's cool. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah. to play it. It sounds uh, we were talking about it before we started recording, and yeah, it sounds super interesting. And I was going back to look at the the art. It's funny in my memory it was even more drab, <laughs> but when I actually brought the images up, I'm like, oh, that's that's better than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, the game itself isn't isn't bad, but man, the the cover looks so boring. It sort of looks like like a two thousand piece puzzle on the. Exactly. Yeah. It's like exactly. if I'm walking through the game store and I see this on my sh- on the shelf. What's doing in the? I'd be like, oh, that's weird. So it, either I'll assume it's a puzzle, or I'll assume it's one of those games from like the eighties. Sure. Know? Yeah. Like they very, have, it feels very throwback. Yeah. Yeah. Like those really old like Euro games that you're just like, Ooh, that's a throwback. <laughs> um, but it's not, it's literally like a brand new game. Well, it's brand new in 2018. It's been out a little bit, but, um, it's still fairly new and it's new for me. So it's very, it's such a, ra- it's a this is definitely like rave for better or worse. This is Ravensburger's style of game. And uh, Rio Grande Games, I think, has a similar style for a lot of their games, where it's just like a background image of one solid color with a slight shade of difference, and then a square with a brighter picture on it, like just yeah. slammed in the middle. Like you put a Polaroid and just taped it to the yeah. game box and, and it's expanded a it. bad picture. And yeah, and it's usually a weird scene. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, it's kind of like, what is this scene inspiring me to do? 
know about this game. <laughs> like I complain about Orleans cover, but I, and and I think it's terrible. Uh, right, I think people right. have passed up that game. I don't think they did themselves any favors. Uh, but it it at least is consistent throughout the whole game. Um, you open this game up and you never see anything inside that looks like what's on the cover. Right. Uh, yeah. So they, they're very disconnected in artwork. You look at this cover, you have no idea what this game's about. Uh, it's, it's awful. You really should go look it up. Um, and that sort of leads into something that I wanted to talk about um, just briefly here on why would a company, and, and I'm trying to get my head around why a company would, get a huge name like Stefan Feld mm-hmm. and obviously they, they are paying him for this. Um, why wouldn't they put money and effort into graphic design on this? Right. Because I, and I understand a lot of people are like, well, they don't have to because Stefan Feld games sell themselves. And, and I get that. And I know that Stefan Feld fans will buy Stefan Feld games. But it almost seems like you are purposely trying to keep people who aren't Steffenfeld fans <laughs> away from this game. And that doesn't seem to make financial sense. Yeah, it's a weird choice. I, so actually, I was looking up, and again, here's an interesting little thing. Um, so this is the uh, Spanish version under a different publisher. And all they did is just crop it correctly. They zoomed in on the image to make it more engaging because that's the other thing with Ravensburger. It, look it looks really good actually. It looks quite good. It looks like I don't know how it compares to the game what reflects what's going on in the game but at least like you're zoomed in the picture and you see something. With ra- all these pictures in Ravensburger it's usually a pretty zoomed out image like you're it's ca- encapsulating encapsulating a lot of stuff and none of it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. The What they did with this uh, a, a, a Leah or A-L-E-A games I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. I think it's a Leah. Um, they uh, they just took the image that Ravensburger had slapped on the cover and they just cropped it tight to that image and it's now it's like oh there's activity going on there's a merchant exchange there's something happening now it does look I way better kind of have a sense of what this game might be so it's that simple so it does feel like Ravensburger went out of their way yeah, to, to downplay alienate. the interesting aspects of this game uh, in the first thing you'll see of a game which is the box it's so weird it's such a weird take on it yeah so do you, do you think they just assume that uh, Stevenfeld fans will buy Stevenfeld games. God, you well, I mean, probably in in Germany for sure, right? But I mean, they're a worldwide company, so, and I mean, they're, not, it's not like he's not big in the U.S. He's still big in the U.S. He's a known developer. I don't know. It's such an enigma because it feels like you're right, counterintuitive to what you'd be doing if you've got a big hotshot, well-known designer, yeah. his newest games coming out, and it's. <laughs> And you want to be like, well, let's not get too flashy here. Because I was telling Kaz this. If uh, if this were our game yeah, and it looked like this and it came out, like I wouldn't buy a copy of it. Yeah. Like, it, and it's our game. I'd be like, <laughs> well, this looks stupid. <laughs> I don't care who this Bill and Kaz are. I'm not buying this game. I know. Um, and I almost didn't buy this one, even though I, I, I historically think Steffenfeld makes good games. Um, I I almost didn't buy it until I read enough reviews and heard enough good things about it that people are like, this is a great game. I'm like, wow, okay. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. But um, it was, I was almost painful. I'm glad I ordered it online because I'm not sure I could have walked from the shelf 
to a register and actually that entire time <laughs> looking stayed at it focused. the whole time yeah going like, um, passing all these other amazingly designed box art <laughs> yeah do i really do i and so so my second question this may even be my fifth question i'm not sure i haven't been keeping track of questions um but how much does graphic design matter with these these bigger uh, these these bigger designers, in uh, and, and also, it, are we getting to the point where, with because there's so many new designers, so many yeah. new designers just coming out. There's thousands of games coming out every year, and probably thousands of new designers, and they really have to put out really really good art and great graphic design and they really have to kind of go above and beyond they, they need to come up with great themes this this theme is you're like city people and you're like trying to improve your city district i mean that's the most bland euro theme i can think of the only yeah, it's so. it's not trading in the mediterranean but it's so close it's pretty close they're probably it's probably a mediterranean city for right? being honest so so do these designers who already have the name it, it almost seems like they're getting lazy. Like they're putting out the same, the same theme over and over and over again, slapping a few different mechanisms on there, but they're still good games. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because these are tried and true mechanisms. There mm -hmm. isn't anything that this game does that's never been done before. Right. Right. Um, in fact, there's nothing even remotely innovative uh, right. about it. The scoring thing is really neat, but this isn't the first game to do the that. Star, little Star Path, isn't that the, the most innovative path, thing? It, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's this, it like is. you said, it's two choices presented in an interesting way. Right, but they, they even got rid of that with the second printing. I have the first printing, so oh, I have did the Star they? Path. Oh, I didn't, yeah. oh, I didn't realize that. So the second printing, they got rid of that. So really, <laughs> so the, Too much innovation, they yeah, said. The Remove most it. innovative thing they did, they got rid of on the second <laughs> printing. Um, it really doesn't change the game at all, but... Um, so it is. Do companies sign these larger names so that they don't have to put as much money into marketing and into graphic design? Because if somebody's signing you and I, like a big company is signing a game of ours, it needs great artwork and it needs marketing, like a big marketing push. Yeah. If somebody's getting Stefan Feld, they really just have to put it in a box and write Stefan Feld on it with a Sharpie yeah. and pretty much it will sell X number of copies. You already know that. Yeah, it's absolutely. Do that. Well, you know, what's weird though is they don't do it to different, like Ravensburger's huge. He's Stefan Feld's worked with them a lot. Um, but like, there's something to be said about that German efficiency. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, with that game, a lot of games uh, like uh, Ravensburger specifically Stefan Feld as well, but a lot of German Euro games, they're very specific, like streamed on. Like, it's hilarious they took that <laughs> mechanism out the way it's done right. in the second printing. Like, it worked fine. It's not that bad, but it's like, no, it's too much. We must simplify, simplify, simplify. <laughs> and so it's like, I wonder if that's just a very cultural thing in Germany, but it is odd that the box wouldn't be pizzazzed up a little bit for our market or other markets because right. american markets very much value over the top art obviously oh, but yeah. also big productions in box design i mean it's one of the big selling points for american audiences and so it's kind of weird like you said it's like you've got the weight of the name but it's a different market and maybe they're just 
know they're going to sell enough that's just like, man, we don't care. Whatever we sell elsewhere is enough. But but it is an interesting choice. It feels um, it feels like I wonder when Ravens if Ravensburger will ever come around and start attempting to do flashier designs. And I can't imagine what that would be. I, I can't either. Anything would be flashier. Exactly. Yeah. Literally, the base color at the the background color of this game is slate gray. It's like the most bland. <laughs> and then the printing color is like the sort of like faded yellow. It it's just it's so the color choices are just yeah. mind boggling. Honestly, it's and the game start the game design the pieces and stuff and everything are are dark. Uh, I mean, and none of them are real flashy. Nothing's real colorful. The design's fine. It's very practical. Um, I wouldn't call it a beautiful game, but it's it's fine. It's it's a, I guess, kind of a pretty game for what it is. Um, so yeah, I just it it strikes me as a waste. It is the first thing that jumps into my head is how many more games right. could they have sold if they did this right? Yeah. Um, but you know what? They they make the big bucks, and we're sitting here. Uh, talking to ourselves. So. <laughs> so take that, us. Oh, we run into that wall again. <laughs> Ravensburger one, Kazanville zero. <laughs> it's funny though. Sometimes you do as a gamer. Um, that's a great thing for you because you can find games that didn't make a splash for whatever reason that are amazing games. And a lot of times, it's the way they look. Like going back to our ethnos conversation. That's one of the best games. I think uh, around currently in a lot of ways, it's it's a, an amazing game, but it looks so garbage that that no one's interested. But you can get it cheap. Like if you want to try it, it's worth yeah. buying it. Carpe Diem, um, it's only been out like 2018. It came out, so it's not been around a lot. But I'm sure you're right. It's, sales are going to be impacted, and I'm sure they printed a lot of it too because of who designed it. And um, you know, Ravensburger usually prints a lot. They don't. But I imagine printings, too but. that they know exactly what they're going to sell. Sure, that's like, true. I'm not dumb. Talk back no. to that that German efficiency. Yeah, I think they know. Okay, when we put out a Steffenfeld game, no matter what, we'll sell X. Yeah. So we're going to print X because yeah. that gives us our maximum discount at bulk. <laughs> uh, we know who our distributors are. We're gonna. Nobody is is gonna not pick up in distribution. Nobody's not gonna pick up True. Carpe Diem. Yeah, um, it's it's Steffenfeld. Nobody's gonna just be like, no, we're gonna pass on this one because it's ugly. <laughs> no, because the distributors yeah. know that people buy these games too. So I think it's just it gets into the collections of the people that they know are gonna get into it. I just feel like it's so limiting in that maybe there are other people who maybe historically don't love Steffenfeld games or haven't played any Steffenfeld games or, or have no idea who Steffenfeld is, which, yeah. which certainly in our hobby that's it, it exists, um, it, that could have been seen this and gone, wow, that looks really good, take it home and go, wow, now I'm a Steffenfeld fan. Yeah. You yeah. know, how many new fans could they have gotten? How much new, uh, new blood could they have, have breathed into this? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it, they have ancient printing presses and there's just a plate <laughs> template that's stuck and they haven't figured out to remove it. And all they can do, all they can change is the text, the background color, and then whatever image is in that square in the middle of the box. It might be worth it for them to invest in a Someday new Someday we will figure out the technology. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> let's use these gray paints we have. <laughs> What did we? What ink did we buy too much of? This <laughs> Damn it! Yes. Well, we're not going to get rid of it. We are German. <laughs> Efficiency above all. Right. 
<sighs> yeah, I don't know. It is it is odd. It's a weird choice. It's it's funny how you're seeing those um, more drastically able to compare those two between like um, like games printed in different areas of the world. There's actually one in front of us right now. Tiny Epic Kingdom is sitting in front of us, and I was just as we were talking, I'm kind of looking at that, thinking like, well, that's kind of a bland cover as well actually now that i think about it although it's way more engaging on what's happening in the images even though the color's a little muted well and it looks in the game it looks epic yeah i yeah. mean if you really get into it and start lo- i mean the, the artwork isn't necessarily There's, great the pictures are actually like the pictures are ha- things are happening in it even yeah though it's muted you get a real good feel there's of of what's going on here and i think it's kind of like its overall color scheme is dark i i, I don't yeah. think that it's setting you up for something different than what's in the box i feel like ravensburger a lot of times sets you up for something different than what's in the box sure that no you know, totally agree you you expect some i don't know what or just confuses I you it, yeah like it's not even setting up it's just like like throwing you <laughs> throwing you in another what direction does this for have no to reason do with yeah. anything i'd almost rather have just an all gray box that says that would be more mysterious yeah yeah that says carpe diem and big like dripping red letters or something or just like <laughs> Stefan there's a black background <laughs> Stefan Feld's name and like glowing yellow letters and just number 25 yeah, right <laughs> just, I would sell just as many copies yeah, be, being, yeah they're probably so more we're being what perfectly honest yeah um all right so I think we've beaten that horse into the ground <laughs> can you do that can you beat a horse into the ground I'm I guess sure, if it's dead sure you could yeah so we're beating this dead horse and so uh we have put together a uh, top five list for you guys today. Weird, right? <laughs> um, and today's Coming top... out of nowhere. We should just do a top seven for... Right? Top six and a half <laughs> list. <laughs> We're mixing it up. <laughs> uh, so this is our top five list, uh, which oddly enough has six on it. I'm going to do a uh, honorable mention. But this is top five games that got better with repeated plays. So these are games that weren't necessarily bad the first time we played but each time we played it just got better and better and more interesting and now like these are this is a handful of some of my my favorite games um i purposely uh, and i'm gonna preface this i purposely went out of my way to avoid games that we talk about a lot like parade and space base which both obviously get better with repeated yeah. plays because we've played them a million times but these are I, I thought it'd be more interesting to maybe talk about a few games that we don't mention all the time sure uh, there's a couple on my list that i have talked about before but not with the same kind of enthusiasm or length mm-hmm. that uh we've talked about some of the others so just that's a preface on on my list uh, i did that as well i tried to do that as well um, but yeah, those are your faves that you play all the time because you love them. Um, and maybe they did get better, or maybe they just hit it off right away. But there's also a lot of games that just got better and are still good that we can also talk about. <laughs> so, all right, you want to start it off? Uh, I will start it off. Um, actually, I'll just start it off with my honorable mention, and then you can start off with your okay. real number one. Um, so, my honorable mention is. Uh, love letter specifically love letter archer um Mm, i played archer love letter way before uh, i ever played any other love letters i also like batman love letter i don't care much for regular love letter oddly enough even though it's very similar mechanisms um but the first time we played archer we're like okay this is this is fine. I guess I can see how people like this. But it quickly turned into kind of our time waster. We've probably played three or 400 plays of 
Love Letter Archer. We're on our second uh, set of it because we wear the cards out. Um, it is, it's so much fun. It's so mindless. And it's just one of those things where you can just play while you're drinking a beer, while you're talking about something different. Um, you don't, it doesn't require a super amount of focus, uh, but it just got better and better and better. And, uh, we've introduced it to more people and it's just, it it has kind of spiraled out of control. And, and that is my, uh, that is my honorable mention. I, I put it, didn't put it on my regular list because, um, love letter in general uh gets a lot of love and uh oddly enough and it's a it's a great system probably and a lot of letters just, as well. yeah People right a lot of love it. a lot of letters <laughs> uh, the scarlet letters um <laughs> is there so. anyone writing about love letter just shaming it <laughs> how dare you, you. hussies <laughs> so that, that's why it's my honorable mention cover so. yourselves up victorian era princesses <laughs> More than you already are. They put out that's funny too, because in Love Letter, like the princess, I think has like long sleeves on too. Yeah, so they're very like, covered. <laughs> you see, like their wrists. They're yeah, like, oh I my guess, god. I guess they have a lot of cleavage going, but yeah. uh, but other than that, right? Um, yeah, uh, actually, that's a great one. Actually, I uh, Love Letter was the f- game, one of the games I played when I was first kind of really starting to build a collection of my own, and. Um, and yeah, it was just I remember being kind of surprised by it the and playing it. We became one of our gameplays uh, where we played with some friends pretty regularly, and we were playing um, kind of the same games. And then they they just bought Love Letter on a whim um, at the game store. Someone recommended it, and we played it. And then we started playing it a lot. It was just like wow, this is really good. And then of course when they started offshooting into different IPs, um, it made it even better. And I I agree. I think Archer is probably the best as well in my opinion. I own Batman. I don't own Archer, but I like Archer's. The way they did Archer is really fun. <laughs> yeah, they they have this um this secret like hidden identity card that you do a lot of swapping in and out with and peeking at and things like that. And I think it's just it's so smooth. I and I I think I prefer that extra piece rather than what Love Letter does because regular Love Letter doesn't doesn't do that. And then Batman Love Letter has a couple different things yeah. that it does that differently than that which uh, yeah. which which are good cuz I like how all the different games aren't just 100% reskins. Yeah. They're just like 90%. Right. Uh, but they kind of tailor each of them tailors something. Um I'd really want to try I've heard really good things about uh Lovecraft Letter. Oh, which is I didn't like even know the Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh Love Letter. It's a little pricey because it only comes in like a bigger deluxe type set, but huh. um whereas Archer comes in a little bag. Yeah. And it's like ten or fifteen bucks. I think it's out of print right now, but um yeah. It's great so. if they kept them all. It's the same IP. It's different IPs, but it's all still in Victorian era dress. <laughs> it's the same era. <laughs> for no reason. Just they never mention it. <laughs> Victorian Batman. <laughs> That would be awesome. That I would, would love be to. Something. <laughs> All right, mine. Um, I'll start my list off. So my list is um, uh, not. I kind of tried to put it in order this time. So we'll see how that goes. I'll probably at the end say, "Never mind. I'm changing my mind." But now, to start it off, is uh, first is King of Tokyo, and I liked King of Tokyo when I first played it. Uh, as uh, just straight out of the box, I found it engaging. But a couple things that I also felt were stumbling blocks for me that I sort of came around to when i played it more is one it has player elimination and two it has a massive stack of action cards that you will not even come close to getting through you may not even use them potentially really in your first game 
Um, I really don't like player elimination games. <clears throat> I think they're, I don't know. I've, I've, I think this is maybe an overstatement, but I think it's, if it's intentionally designed and that's one thing, but I think there's games that are not well designed because they have player elimination in them and they didn't need to. Some games do, I get that, but some games I feel like it would have been a better game if they could have designed that out or designed around it, whatever they needed player elimination for. Uh, but King of Tokyo, I, it's become one of my favorites and go-to intro games and um, just because it's a really fun game and the more you play it, the more silly it feels and the player elimination is softened because it's a quick game. Um, it's over very quickly, and even if you're kicked out, it's still it's players slowly get eliminated and goes down to the last two. You are still kind of engaged in, in cheering on one players or talking trash to one player and whatever. And then tied with that is the action cards uh, fit the theme so well because you're a giant monster trying to destroy Tokyo, and these action cards are just super fun to engage with. And the more I've played, the more I focused on incorporating them because that, to me, really makes the game way more fun. You could totally get rid of the action cards and still have a functional game that's pretty fun, but it makes the game to be able to engage with those, and I think it's not clear when you're first playing it how much more fun they are <laughs> to use them as much as you can. Like, you right. should be purchasing them a lot, because A, you get more powerful, but B, they're just silly and ridiculous and... That, well, it's totally ridiculous, <laughs> which right. is exactly what King of Tokyo is. So I, I really enjoyed that uh, more the more I played it. All right. Um, that is a, uh, that's a really good game. I, I like it a lot, too. It's a great gateway game, easy to get into, easy to teach anybody. And uh, and I, I agree. The the more you play it, the kind of easier it feels. Yeah. And just, yeah. Um, that's, that's always a good feeling to get that way with the game. Um, so my number five is uh, a card game version of Puerto Rico called San Juan. And it was one of the first games after like Catan and Ticket to Ride and things like that that uh, I played. And I don't feel like I was quite ready for Puerto Rico, which I love. I love mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. I think it's a great game. Um, but this is the one I played first. And it is um, kind of similar. It, it, it's almost the first iteration of Race for the Galaxy. Sure. Um, same designer, I think. Same manufacturer. Um, but it very much plays in a, in a similar way. And uh, the first time I played it, I'm like, well, I kind of get that. I, I sort of like being able to, you know, choose what I'm going to do, like the... Uh, occupation that I'm going to take and, and role selection, that kind of stuff. I think that's kind of innovative and neat. And um, that came straight from Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah, Puerto Rico. And um, so the second time we played it again and, and it was more fun. And then like there got to a point where we were playing it on game days when our Catan days, we would, uh, if we didn't want to play three rounds of Catan, we'd do you know, a shot at Catan, and then we'd play three or four games of San Juan. And it was reasonably quick. It never outstayed its welcome. By the time you really got, you know, to the point where you're like, I'm not 100% sure what to do, or I don't think I have a chance to win, bam, it was over. Right, right. So even if you didn't feel like, hey, I, you felt like, hey, I didn't get off to a great start, um, I, I don't think I'm within range here, 
it was over quick enough for you to still enjoy the experience. Sure. Uh, did not outstay its welcome. I haven't played it in a few years. Uh, I definitely want to get back into it. Um, but that's one that always sticks in my mind of like the more I played it, the more I just saw these great things opening up. And it really prepared me for playing Puerto Rico and enjoying it more and having a better understanding of some of the strategy there. And um, also in Race for the Galaxy. So uh, San Juan is my choice for number five. All right. Um, so my number four is a game that I uh, played a lot of. Or no, I shouldn't. No, never mind. I was reading the wrong game. I didn't play a lot of this game. I played it a couple times with a friend, and I enjoyed it. But I was kind of overwhelmed by the options. But the more I got into this game, the more I liked it. And that's Small World. Hmm. Small World is just a game that I like to pull out here and there, and it's one that. Uh, it's we've talked about it before in a previous episode. It's kind of a, the risk if you were going to intro someone and they like risk. Small would be a good op- op- yeah. alternative to that. But <clears throat> the game is interesting in the fact that you have all of these races and then you have race abilities of your creatures and they are interchangeable. So each game it's going to be totally different on what the giants do or what the elves do or what the rats do. <laughs> um, right. Uh, beyond their core ability that the whatever the the creature is. So I, I just, uh, I like that at the time I initially played Small World though, it just, for some reason it was like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. But it didn't like, I don't know. I just like, I just didn't click with me. And then I played it a couple more times with some friends. And then the more I played it, the more I, I just was like, you know, this is so satisfying to be able to, um, play this race. But also what Small World does is that you retire a race. So basically you put them into decline and you get a new race. And so there's a strategy in how and when you do that. And I just, once I got more into how to use that mechanism, I just, it just something about it was so satisfying to be able to just cast off right. your strategy and be like, I'm starting anew. And <laughs> I just love that feeling. And so I, uh, I've, I've just became to really, really, really enjoy it a lot more. And so much so that I, it's in a game that I, uh, I have the app for and I'll play it uh, over the app just to pass the time. And uh, so, yeah, it just kind of grew on me more and more. And it's a great game. A lot of people like it out the, out the gate, but I liked it even more after I played it more. That, that is a good one, and it's really good. It's a great introduction to territory control. Yeah. So uh, definitely, I think we've talked about that before. But yeah, that's uh, that, that's a really good game. Uh, I do not own it, but I have played it a handful of times. Um, so you mentioned the app, and my next game, my number four, uh, is also an app that I play quite a bit, um, and that is Coup. So the first time I played Coup, I don't think I really understood what was going on or why I should be enjoying this. And it really fell flat for me. And I don't know if it's just the people I was playing with or because uh, I was playing with some people who are substantially uh, more experienced with it than me. And so I kind of tried to read a little more on it and see what I was missing and I played it a few more times, and every time I played it, I would, I'd understand some strategy a little better, and I'd, I'd, I'd understand where the choices were, and um, got to the point for a while where I would play coup at uh, game night. I'd try and finish game night with a couple of games of coup because it's super quick, um, it's easy to explain, and uh, I, I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm really can get into this. And uh, it's even a good, and, and this is a, uh, 
I don't want to say social deduction game, but as close to a card game like this can get, um, you have face down cards and you can lie and bluff about what you have. And, and that's, that's basically the key mechanism of the game is somebody accusing you of being something and you basically, uh, if, if they're wrong, then, then they lose a card. If, if, they were right, then you lose a card, uh, and you only have two cards, so it's it's quick, um, but it's a surprisingly, and it can play, I think, up to seven, six or seven? I think it's six. Six, but um, which is quite a few for a little card game like this, but it's uh, it also is a reasonable two-player game. Uh, I played it with my son Joey a couple dozen times, and we sat there, and we played it like five or six times in a row once, and just it was really enjoyable. Oh really? I've uh, never played it yeah. too. I didn't even, it, it I wouldn't, wouldn't. You wouldn't think, you think to ever yeah. play it too, yeah. because it's just it doesn't seem like it should be a good two-player game, but it it really is. It's uh so I like it at, at all player counts, and um, it, the more I played it, the better. It's not up there at the moment in a game that I I play very much uh, in real life, but um, yeah, I definitely recall that as being you know one of those games that really the more I played it, the more I could get into it and understand you know, where all the, the little nuances were. So, yeah. Um, mine is going to kind of follow along a little bit with that. And that mine is the resistance and, uh, the resistance is kind of similar. Well, it's the same universe as clue. Um, cool. or cool, <laughs> clue. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel mustard Colonel makes mustard. an appearance <laughs> in the conservatory with uh, the candles. <laughs> but it's the same, uh, it's the same, yeah, it's the same uh, publisher and the same uh, art style and, and universe as as Koo. but it. I remember that was my kind of my first expo. Not my, I guess maybe it was my first exposure. But that the the social way they did deduction. hidden yeah hidden identity and social deduction and the way they did it. Um, there were other games out, and I'm trying to remember if I'd played other ones, but usually they're bigger games because the Resistance is not a small game, but it's a relatively quick game and it's in a deck of cards. Um, but anyway, just the way they did it with the hidden identities and then the, the teams as you're trying to figure out who's who and who is allied with you and who's not and who's trying to who's lying. But maybe they're or they're a bad liar. Or maybe they're a good liar and they're just faking that they're a bad liar. And and uh, I, uh, I found that a little overwhelming at first. And I remember thinking, like, that's fun, but it definitely depends on the crowd you play with. And I would say it does. However, I think you can um, use people's or people's strengths and weaknesses if you explain to them clearly like what they'll be doing within the game and how um, they'll be communicating with each other then kind of give them a heads up about that that will heighten the experience of the game for everybody especially people who are maybe uncomfortable with lying um i do this with uh one night werewolf when i uh run it as i just kind of explain like okay you're gonna be lying here so you know you don't have to come up with a massive backstory just think of one simple thing you can lie about and just stick with it <laughs> <laughs> and uh so anyway but the more i played it the more i really enjoyed it and uh, it's another game that i don't play a ton lately because it's kind of been uh, usurped by other games but i i still do play it and i really enjoy it and it got better for me with time like a like a fine wine yeah that's uh that that's a great game that's definitely one of those one of the originators in that uh social deduction arena i don't think you can talk about social deduction games without the resistance coming up yeah it still holds up too i mean uh, it's, oh yeah it absolutely well. absolutely uh and a lot of other social deduction games take a lot from it yeah so I, I don't think you'd have the same 
uh, social deduction space without that game. So yeah, yeah, great game. Okay, so my next game is a stock market game, and it is my favorite stock market game. And uh, I have used this game as a gateway game before, and it uh, it always goes over well. It's called Stockpile. So the first time I played this, it was fine. A uh, friend of mine, well, Brandon, who you talked to last week, um, he, he introduced me to it. He knew one of the designers or something, and so we played it. And I'm like, I think that's that game's pretty cool. Uh, it, I, I like it. Um, read a little bit more on it. We played it again. I immediately went out and bought it. Um, and every time I play it, I get more and more excited about it. So I've probably played it. It's one of my more played games. I probably played it 20, 25 times. And um, every time I just, I, I finish playing it and I go, man, I wish I, I should play that more. I, I really don't understand why I don't play this way more than I do. Right. Um, and to me, that's uh, the mark of a game that definitely gets better with repeated plays. Because there's not a whole lot of games that I finish playing and say, man, I should play that more often. A lot of them are like, I really enjoyed that. What's next? And that's more of my mindset. We talked about that in a previous episode about yeah. what kind of gamers we are. Like, That's more of my mindset is, hey, that's really cool. I liked it. What's next? And I don't feel that way with, with this game. So um, that's Stockpile. Did you ever play Stockpile? I haven't, actually. It's been one uh, – we've talked about it a bunch, and I know it's people really like that game, <laughs> but I never have, so – for whatever reason, I would love to play it. Yeah, I think that's in Tom Vassell's like top twenty-five or something. Um, yeah, I th- yeah, I, yeah, I think there. I think I remember. So him. it is. It is definitely uh, very popular. So, all right. Um, my uh, next one is kind of a category that is more popular today, but it's two specific games that I have. Um, but I would say that this isn't exactly these games. And that's basically LCGs. Um, I really love designing and building decks. I really hate spending a lot of money and chasing down cards that I need to feel I need to play um, a game competitively. My wife and I play a lot of two-player games, and we like head-to-head games. And so we used, we still do, um, but we haven't had as much time lately. We played a lot of Netrunner, and I also have mentioned before Arkham Horror LCG. And those are just ones I mentioned that I'm into personally. But um, what I like about them, uh, if you're not familiar, those uh, the an LCG is called a living card game, com- different, which is different than a CCG, which is a collectible card game. So collectible card games are like magic. Uh, you buy a set, and then you buy packs, and those packs are, ver- are random on what you'll get in them. And then it's about trading the cards, or you can search them out and buy the cards specifically to build your deck to play someone else. LCGs, all every pack is exactly exactly the same. You're buying a pack, and it will have the exact same cards in it as the person who bought the same other person who bought the same pack. So it's more about using what the packs that you have and combining all the cards in different and exciting ways than it is buying the right cards. So it gets it lets you scratch the itch of creating these really cool decks and characters. Um, and then playing with them and experimenting with a lot of different card options within the same things that you bought versus having to constantly buy more and more and more. So if you liked Magic like I did, but rapidly couldn't afford to play Magic like I did Nobody way back in high school, 
And uh, I, I just, I, you know, rediscovering these types of games these days is just really exciting. There's some great ones out there. Uh, I believe Fantasy Flight was the one that kind of developed the concept. I'm pretty sure they have a, a trademark on LCG as a term. I think they do. They're the only LCGs that I'm aware of, and I think that's probably legal. Yeah, but there's other games that basically mimic it and are calling it different things. Um, uh, uh, like Doomtown is kind of ones where you are building, like it's a different type of game. It's a board game, but you are basically, you can buy expansions that are basically LCG expansions that you can turn into So they're calling like a TCG? Like it's a something like that, yeah. I was trying to remember the name. Game where, yeah, it's not necessarily collectible. Um, but oh, yeah. ECG, expandable card, card game. game. Yeah, yeah, that might be. So it. that's there, there's other names for it, but basically, CCG is is buying a lot of money and spending a ton of money to buy the right stuff. LCG or whatever they're calling it now, I think it's ECG, is you're getting these packs that you can kind of refresh your decks and stuff with, um, in a less expensive way. There's some great ones though, and there's just it's a really fun way to engage with a game. Uh, Keyforge is a great one that people love because you can buy these pre-made packs which are or these decks which are just all all they're different each one's different however they are um not interchangeable you can't play around with them but you buy the new decks so that's kind of a new way to do it but the traditional way of doing it is just to buy the expansions and then using the expansions to kind of incorporate into your existing deck or create a whole new one and so it satisfies that deck building or not deck building that collecting deck construction uh, yeah deck construction uh, urge <laughs> or uh, fun um activity without the uh, liquidating your bank account and ending your marriage part yes. of CCGs. Yes, that is that is definitely the the way to go if you're gonna play one of those expandable type yeah. card games. <laughs> definitely make it an LCG or an ECG rather than a CCG. So, um, yeah, I, I played some some Magic back in the day. Uh, I never got into it to the extent where it started to affect my life like some of my friends. Oh, God. Um, but it's yeah the the lcg model it just makes total sense it's so much you know you should just be able to go and get all the cards yeah and everyone else should be able to go and get all the cards and it shouldn't be a battle of wallets it should be a battle of who can take what they get and put together the best thing yeah you know uh because there's more skill in that than there is in pulling out your visa totally yeah i mean i remember just it's such a frustrating experience when you would play uh, I played in high school and then you play and then you'd be playing this game with this other kid and all of a sudden he pulls out this card and it's just like, this is half of your life card. Boom. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And they're like, well, I special ordered this for blah, blah, blah. It cost $50. It's like, oh, okay. $50. So you bought a winning card. Right. Yeah. It's just frustrating when you are usurped by not being creative and developing a fun deck or just uh, a deck that you enjoy and you are just killed by someone who, um, I don't know, just bought a better card. Yeah, that's that's a big bummer. Um, so my number two is uh, a two-player game. It is not Hanami Kochi, although I thought about putting that on my list, but I've bragged about that lots of other <laughs> times. Um, and this one is Lost Cities. It's a older game. Uh, most, a lot of people will be familiar with it. It's uh, basically there's um, cards. It kind of laid out in the middle. And uh, you play on your side, you play things, uh, you play cards in order from your hand, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, um, in ascending order or descending order. It's ascending order. And um, you, you you play cards there uh, from those different colors, and you basically are trying to win 
uh, points by getting those. It it doesn't sound. I am awful at explaining games, but uh, it's it's really fun. It's uh, doesn't seem like it should be fun because uh, it's kind of almost mathy in a weird way. On uh, the first time I played it, I like immediately regretted buying this game. <laughs> And then, like, we played it again, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually way better. And pretty soon, we were just playing it over and over and over. It's very quick. It's maybe a 15-minute game, Um, especially once you get past – if you're first starting out, there could be a little bit of, you know, hesitation. But once you kind of get the hang of it, you pretty much know what you're you're doing as the other person's playing. So – it, it's I, I like it a lot. It's uh, it's a great two-player game. It's not a huge brain burner, even though there is math. It's not a huge brain burner as far as having to sit there and really focus on it. So it's a good game to share a drink over or, you know, talk about other stuff while you're playing. Um, so it can be pretty casual. And uh, it's just a great two-player game. And I don't think I can ever own enough really cool solid two-player games that you just both are familiar with and Mm -hmm. you both sit down that's why i like uh archer love letter so much it's just comfortable it's familiar and and this lost cities gets that way too um there's it's not graphic design isn't fantastic uh the mechanisms aren't like out of this world or anything but it's a solid cool two-player game that i would recommend in my top if we were doing a top list of two-player games this would be in it uh so i i enjoyed it a lot did you have you ever played it i don't think um no i haven't it's um yeah that's another one that's that's a classic good design (laughs) game but i've never i've never played it i know exactly how it's played i've watched a lot of videos (laughs) but i've never actually played the game itself i think that that's influenced a bunch of other games or the oh yeah um yeah it's one of those those classic designs that people are still enjoy playing but has yeah it was a lot. kind of an evolution from battle line which was playing poker hands uh on the side uh, and it sort of streamlined that into just numbers sure uh so it it shares a lot in common with that and and it has influenced other kind of uh games of that ilk but it's uh it's a great game i really enjoy it we should play it sometime. Yeah. I'll bring it. All right. My next uh, one is going to be... Um, Should be your final one, huh? Uh, my final and next one... Your number one! <laughs> my number one and not in a particular order is a, uh, a game I played first at a friend's house and um, have played uh, a few times since then. But the first time I played it, I was like, yeah, this is cool, but it's kind of just a really basic mechanism. Uh, that's called a game called Cryptid. Cryptid is a really interesting game where you are. It's very, it's pretty basic. It's not like a, it's not a very deep game, but it's just an interesting mechanism. It's basically a uh, searching game. You're trying to locate a hidden area on the board through a series of clues that uh, are being given to you. So basically, there are all of these. Um, uh, landmarks throughout the board and there is it's a it's like a hex board or the spaces are hexes but there's a terrain all over the all over the board and there's also landmarks on the board and so each player has the, is getting these clues to try to um 
discover this hidden uh, this hidden thing on the board that you're trying to discover. <laughs> That's what you're doing. You're discovering it. So anyway, but the so mechanism, is there discovery in this? There game? is discovery in this game, huh. and also discovery. So uh, I just I, I like Cryptid. I don't play it a ton, but I remember thinking like, oh, that's kind of an interesting concept. I don't know how much I'd like it, but then I just kept I would play it here and there, and the more I played it, the more like you know I just like sitting down to do this. It's just a fun game. It's just an interesting interactivity between you as players as you sort of start to realize where things are and obfuscate um, a, your you can put like uh, uh, markers on the board with your guesses or where you think things are and so you can use those if you really think they're there or you can use them just to throw other people off and try to screw them up like well wait these clues don't make sense if that's where he thinks that is mm. but maybe he knows something that I don't know and so it's this really um, fun playing against the other players really versus the game in a in just a neat uh, neat way it's a simple game but it's a really fun concept and I, I liked it a lot more once I started getting into it it is it it is very popular uh, online. A lot of people have talked about it here recently, even. Um, but I, I've never played it, so it reminds me of similar, um, not not exactly the same, but similar feel of discovery of Tobago or Tobago. I, I always pronounce that wrong. Okay, uh, we're Tobago, where you're searching for the treasure, and you kind of all have. Uh, you're in Tobago. You're adding clues to um, slowly limit where the treasure could be until someone. Um, uh, goes and digs it up once it's figured out where it is but because tobago is kind of it's not first come first serve you're kind of all able to get on the bandwagon of the treasure it kind of does an interesting balancing it's not it's not exactly that but it's an interesting balancing act of it's not first come first serve either anyway it's just done really well in that um hidden uh something's hidden and uh, you go find out where it is and you try to be the one who finds it as opposed to other people um uh, in the game so i just like it a lot it's a cute game too all right well, my number one <laughs> is... Eric uh, Summer here? I hope that's not trademarked. Um, so uh, my number one is a game that, you know, I tried to leave off like the games I talk about all the time, um, but I can't possibly make this list without my favorite game of all time. Uh, this is the epitome of a game that has gotten better every single time I've played it, and that is Orléans. It is my favorite game in the world. <laughs> I've probably played it 50 times or more. And for being such a big game, it that's impressive. Um, I introduced it to my wife and my son one day. And uh, we played it and immediately turned around and played it again. And to, to get somebody, to get people who just played a two-plus-hour game especially, you know, the first time you play it, <laughs> right. to turn around and reset the board and play it again, uh, you know you've got something. Yeah, yeah. And played it again, and we've played it again and again. I've played it two-player. I've played it three-player. I've played it four-player on game night. Um, it just does not get old. It gets more exciting every time. I just got an expansion for it. Um which I'm not a huge expansion guy, typically. I don't normally get a lot of expansions. Mm -hmm. um, I usually figure if the base game sucks, uh, an expansion isn't going to make it work for me. And if a base game's fantastic, then I'm not 100% sure I need more to it. Um, but the things this added kind of fixed some of the few little details um, that I kind of wished were uh, different in the... Uh, in the regular game so uh, hopefully that will 
I'll get a chance to play that soon. But uh, yeah, I, the more I play it, the more I just absolutely love it, and that's uh, Orléans. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. I like Orléans uh, quite a bit as well. It's uh, yeah, it just does so many things right and so satisfying, and um, the uh, the different avenues of to victory are so cool in that game <laughs> yeah and so it's it's really interesting how you can find a path throughout gameplay to to victory or just something fun to do of course um and and the the bag building part of it is is uh just ties in great i just love that yeah the the best part to me honestly is the uh the fact that you can't do just one strategy because yeah. no strategy will last more than about seven to eight turns no matter what you do right it dries up yep you just run out of the ability to score with that so you have to incorporate three to four different things in every game that doesn't have to, and granted there's more than three or four things that you can do but you have you can't just completely ignore whole sections of the game Sure. Um, so that that to me is is very cool because you're you're always having to adjust mid game, and games that do that I really really like because you never get bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it offers a lot of replay value, like I said, because there's just so much, so many ways to explore. I've played yeah. this several times, um, and uh, I don't think I've played the same way ever. <laughs> so, no. yeah, Orleans is a great one. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to try that expansion out too. I'm I didn't uh, I didn't know you had it. Yeah, it adds uh, trade, so now you can go between cities and actually drop things off. Oh wow! For that's like cool. double the value that they're worth. Oh wow! That's so really cool. uh, that encourages you to go to different places. Uh, it's also got a new good deeds board, so instead of just the old standard get a coin when you kill a farmer yeah you can get more stuff and you can trade in different things and it's uh it's a seems a lot more powerful so i'm really curious to see how that plays that's cool yeah i always i liked always trying the good doing the good deed stuff but i would i would usually i don't know i'd play with it but never really focus heavily on it but it seemed always seemed like it had potential to be more than it was i i I like to go full bore on that and just (laughs) because i like to keep my bag really really small like i know i like to know that i'm pulling everything in my bag out i know exactly what's in it yeah um my son will never use it he'll he'll have 40 tokens in there <laughs> who gets to draw eight he has no idea what's coming it's out it could be eight exciting farmers. adventure each turn. yeah i mean who, who knows <laughs> what's coming out i know exactly what's coming out every single time um but uh yeah I'm, I'm excited to see that it's also got different events for every round instead of having the same four events that just kind of slowly you do each one like four times yeah to, to get the 16 rounds this has 16 different events that's uh, really so cool. they're always original. They're always new. You can't count on, okay, I know coming up soon is going to have to be a plague. Yeah. So let me prepare for that. Um, they, you never know what's going to come here. So I, I, I really think it's going to add a lot to it. I'm, I'm really anxious to see. But nice. that's, yeah, uh, I can't wait. That's my list. All right. Sweet. Oh, I'm a, you know what? I'm going to do an honorable mention at do the it. end. Do it. Uh, my honorable mention is uh, Patchwork. And, um, oh, good one. Patchwork is, uh, I liked it, Patchwork, when I first played it um but it was it's an interesting game because it's it's one of those games where it's like huh and we've talked about this before but it's like huh making a quilt all right well i'll try this game <laughs> i mean sounds it looks, like garbage it looks interesting <laughs> i mean the uh the color it's a colorful little game it's two player i like two player games and um i got trounced by my wife when i played it 
first, which is not uncommon. I don't know why I'm even mentioning that because that's usually what happens. But uh, but anyway, I I played it some more, and then I brought it to game night and played a little bit there, and then I just I just couldn't stop playing the game. And this is another game where I got the app, and I I think I've played this game more than any other game at times because I play on the app, and the app is really well done, and um, it's just such an engaging mechanism a series of mechanisms within the game and i just can't stop playing it (laughs) and i just like it more and more and having the app actually is a great uh, outlet because the app is pretty good for balance except the difference between medium and difficult is astoundingly uh, (laughs) there's a giant chasm there like um and so it is ridiculous and it's so frustrating because it's like you, you kind of (laughs) <laughs> get get mad at the uh, coding of the app because I'm just like, there's no way a player could have looked that far in advance and known how that piece would have fit perfectly eight turns and down the line. <laughs> and so I just get out- outraged. But I don't know. Maybe I've never played really, really good patchwork players. Yeah, in the have app. you ever played tournament patchwork? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> a patchwork tournament. That'd be really cool. I just like to see the crowd at the patchwork tournament. Yeah, this is when you turned me on too. So, uh, I first time I ever played it, second time I ever played it, third time I ever played it, we're all with you. And I, I did eventually. I got the app as well. I play it quite a bit. So it's, yeah, yeah, it does get better and better. It's a great. So. It's just a great game. And um, uh, Uwe Rosenberg has gone on to um, been. <laughs> he's kind of. He's done a few some, things. Some could call it a rut. Some could call it a period of uh, of. Tetris style tiling. Um, his next three games in a row were all based around the core idea of Patrick, but he expanded them into other things. Got yeah. Cottage Garden, Summer, whatever it is. And uh, there's a third one I can't Indian remember. Summer. Indian Summer. And yeah. then there's a third one as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. That I, is more recent. But yeah, he's just kind of like obsessed with this idea. But all the games are very different and play differently. And um, no, you could have them all and not feel like you have a mimic of the same game. So, but anyway, it's just a fun mechanism and a fun thing to play with those little tiles, um, are just, they're just satisfying to put in place. All so, right. Anyway, that'll, that's my honorable mention. Okay. Good honorable mention. All right. So that's, uh, that's all I have today. That's um, all I have as well. If you guys would like to comment or reach out or question or anything, you can find us on Twitter at roasted games one. Uh, also on Instagram, and look us up on Facebook, uh, roastedgamesco at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us at ease-drop.com. Uh, look for Roasted Games, and there is a feedback section there as well. So always easy to get a hold of us. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, we've gotten some uh, some feedback already, and it's been great. So keep the communications going, and, and we really enjoy that. So... Until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.